Hello, this is Lisa Rusick and Misty Lore with the podcast We Are All Psychic. And today we have a great guest and I'm so excited. He's very funny. And his name is John. John, would you like to say hello? Hello, everybody. Thank you, Lisa. Thank you, Misty. I appreciate the invitation and super happy to be here. We're super happy you're here. We have a question for you first, though. Do you think we're all psychic? Uh, yes, I do. Uh, is it always turned on? <laughs> Are you always aware of it? That's another question. So I do believe we're all psychic. I have a hunch it's to varying degrees. I have a hunch it can be cultivated, even if you have it to begin with. I think you can cultivate it. Um, but I think a lot of us most of the time have it turned off or it's drowned out by other noise. Other noise. Oh, give me a little specifics on that other noise. What could the other noise? That's really interesting. Yeah. Other noise might be just the busyness of the day. Our daughter's driving us crazy. Um, (laughs) (laughs) uh, Kids driving us crazy. Yeah. (laughs) Kids driving us crazy. Um, You know, just electronics, uh, social media, a lot of things that kind of distract us from, uh, at least for me, kind of being um, in touch with quiet and subtlety. Uh, then the intuition's turned on, or it's more like I hear my intuition then. Um, yeah. And and then uh, also, I think, you know, obviously, uh, when we're grieving, when we're angry, when there's a lot of fear, it can also drown out uh, our psychic ability. So I think fear, trying, to, yes. trying to get in that kind of centered, quiet space helps a lot. Uh, yes. Yeah, yeah right. So that's so John, a long answer to your question. No, that's a great a answer. I, I was like, that's really interesting because every yeah. day, I mean, there's so much noise, like you said, yeah. and the noise is just the yeah. our eyeballs alone pick up so much noise. We don't know what to do with it all. So listeners and watchers, this is a video podcast on Spotify. I forgot to mention. But she I didn't remembered. She I did it kind of early, so I did all right. Yeah, and um so yeah, you can check out our faces and our, uh, he is an author and he has written a book. Would you like to tell them what the name of your book is? Yeah. The book is entitled the synchronicity of love stories that heal, transform and awaken. It's 119 short stories, true stories, and mostly true stories. Uh, the last 20 years of my life. And I titled it that because I found the more I started to explore the path of what I would just call the heart center and unconditional love, the more this unexpected uh, coincidences start to happen. Miracles started to happen. Synchronicity oh. started to happen. <laughs> and you and also love this. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I, they may have happened before, but I was never aware of them. And they started to happen more and more and more. And I'll tell you a really short story how it began. Um, I've been staunchly anti-spiritual and staunchly anti-religious <laughs> for like 30 years and um, everything in my life that could possibly go wrong all went wrong at the same time. So I finally broke down, signed up for my first ever spiritual retreat. Wow. I was really nervous flying there because I didn't want him to be some crazy guru guy. And as the plane is landing, the woman next to me is reading the guy's book. <laughs> <laughs> you liked they, her, didn't you? <laughs> She's yeah, like, <laughs> well, and 180 people on the plane. I know I counted. And, <laughs> um, you know, it was a huge flight. Um and the only two people going to this spiritual retreat were me and the woman next to me. And she wow. Interesting. And it was, it was oh, awesome because I, I looked at her and said, are you going to that retreat? Oh, yeah, I am. Are you? I'm really nervous. I'm like, <laughs> I am too. Well, you look normal. Well, you look normal too. Okay. I guess I'm not nervous anymore. I love it. Uh, oh, that's so wonderful. So, you know, I mean, so again, it's like, what are the chances that the 
the, the only per, and I signed up at the last minute. I was lucky yeah. to even get a, a flight. And so what are the chances of that happening? That kind of thing started happening more and more and more. And I have really good, you know, I ran my own company for a lot of years, spent quite a few years gambling at the racetrack. So I know about probabilities. Yes, that <laughs> yeah. sound like a math person. Practical, yeah, practical math person. Maybe not, you know, algebra kind of stuff, but yeah, mm-hmm. so it just would freak me out all the time in all the best ways. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, and if you if you like to gamble, then you you probably really like intuition stuff. You know, gamblers. Yes, uh, people who enjoy gambling, they get a thrill off you know the win or the success or the guess being right. Yeah, um, especially if they're playing you know say blackjack, poker machine, a poker machine. You know. Um, yeah. And then there's, oh, I'm going to hold the king and the queen, two kings and the queen, and I'm going to get a king. And, you know, they just know it. And then it happens. Yeah. And it's like, oh, but that's intuition. That is fun. That's, that's your yeah. juju. That's your magic, your energy. You know, it's, it's, it's working when you gamble. That's a really great way to work it, I think, is gambling. I think Except, so, too. Be careful, be careful, you know, if you're. Yeah, no, don't like, gamble uh, your life savings or anything. <laughs> I wish I would have known really all this money. back when I used to gamble. So <laughs> I know. <laughs> Yeah, right. <laughs> I was relying on good old math and probabilities and what's the chances. But yeah, if I had intuition back then, I certainly wasn't aware of it. So that was so all you, the way back, probably in my twenties. So do you think you you really never had intuition? You just weren't listening to it or didn't think about it, just denied it. What was it back in your early twenties or the mid twenties or so that pushed you away from spirituality? Was it organized religions? Or- um, yeah, actually, I can tell you exactly what it was. So I grew up in a family that was I call them part time Catholics. Like we go every <laughs> Sunday for a year and then <laughs> stop going for a year and only go on yeah. Christmas. You know. And and one day uh, we're going to church, and if you remember in the Catholic tradition, it was a sin if a woman didn't cover her head when she walked into church. And one day we're long walking in, long yeah. time ago, yeah. And so this would have been probably in the early seventies. So I'm walking to church with my family because church was only a couple blocks from our house, and I said, "Hey, mom, you, you didn't cover your head, and it's a sin." Oh no, the church decided it's not a sin anymore. Vatican II. Yeah. Well, yeah, and I was flabbergasted. I mean, I'm kind of a kid and naive. And I thought, I thought God wrote the Bible and that's the yeah. playbook. And it's like, wait a minute, people make the rules and they can change the rules. And it's just real disillusionment, yeah. you know. Yeah. There was a lot of and at the age of 13 where I was just like, you know, I think it might all just be make-believe. And so I I kept everything, psychic stuff, intuitive stuff. Um uh, spirituality, religion. I just, nope, nope, not interested. I just yeah. kind of, you might say worshiped at the altar of logic and science and, and uh, there's good things there, but they can yeah. work together. They really I agree. Can. Well, it yeah. took me a long yes. time to figure that out, Lisa. <laughs> yes, yeah. They work together really well, actually. I mean, I used yeah. to think about those, the, the geniuses that we've known that we have like history of who yeah. suddenly came up with something you know, like a, a big epiphany. And usually those stories you hear, it's not like he was working all day long, all night long for six days and suddenly got the answer. You know, it's usually this is pop out moment where this genius figured out his problem, the solution. And um, like in the shower or something, it's just yeah. like, you know, it's usually how you hear it happening. You're and, exactly um, right. <laughs> and I've always thought yeah. that was just, you know, whatever we're, you know, we were talking about the eyeballs earlier, just picking up everything. Well, like, we're all pay, our energy's picking up stuff, but we have these major senses which are really overpowering, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And um, and this is transitioning into our topic, listeners. So okay. um, when like there's so much 
like you said, noise around all the, with these bigger senses, the other senses get muted and a lot of people's opinions can really hammer us home into a belief system. And something else about um, spirituality that's kind of scary for people is it, it takes you to the door of death. Mm-hmm. It yeah. takes you to the door of what happens when I die. Oh, oh crap, I'm going to die. You know, and listeners, in the end, end, yeah. John to talk to us about, because in his book, he explores a lot of how to get rid of the fear. And that's what we need to learn, right? <laughs> yeah, like, I, how did you figure it? How did you get rid of the it? It sounds kind of nutty, but death is one of my favorite subjects. <laughs> uh, sounds good to me. <laughs> yeah, it does to me too. So um, again, so let's see, I'm in my early 40s. I thought, at least by comparison, I'd lived a relatively charmed life and then everything went wrong at the same time. My wife got cancer, <laughs> uh, decided she wanted a whole new life, left. And suddenly I was single dad with two kids. I had started my own company, lost all of our money and a whole bunch more. I was in debt to the tune of $650,000 oh and every day was like, um, oh God. And I, I just, um, and then on top of that, suddenly I had this fear of death and I don't know where it came from. And because yeah. I didn't have a religious or spiritual background, really didn't have a belief around it. All I could identify with was, well, God, when the body dies, I die and that's it. It's over forever. And I couldn't wrap my mind around forever. That just sounds so terrifying to me. Like, really? That's it forever? And so, um, oh, fast forward a few years, um, I joined a year-round spiritual study group. Uh, Same guy that led the retreat that I went to um, initially. Three years later, started a year-round group, 40 of us. And we met four times a year in Tucson, Arizona, which was cool at a retreat center, and then had stuff we we're working on at home and online. And then he, oh, near the end of the year, he goes, okay, the month of November. It's great. We're doing this podcast in November. Ah, perfect. Yeah. <laughs> we're going to greet the mystery of death, was the way he put it. And he goes, if you don't have a will, I want you to make a will. If you need oh. to make them. If you need to make amends to people, I want you to make amends. Plan on dying at the end of this month, basically. Wow. Now I want you to... Meditate on death, pray on death, read books on death, listen to music on death, like greet it. Don't run from it because most people run from it or they push it you know, under the rug. Don't think about mm-hmm. it. Yeah. And so I think you guys will love this. You know, at the show, uh, I started meditating on death and had profound visions. It was like, oh, yeah. yay, we're going to teach you all about death. Like you and, asked? You yes. <laughs> yeah. Careful yeah, what you for. <laughs> yeah. What I learned, um, you know, ironic for somebody who didn't think they were psychic or intuitive or spiritual in any way is if I ask a question and it's clear and it's sincere, the answer comes sometimes in mere seconds. It's just Mm -hmm. there. For me, most of the time, it shows up in the form of dreams at night or sometimes visions when I'm meditating kind of unexpectedly. So this Uh happened when I was (laughs) meditating on death and listening to music on death and and first thing, this it was a woman. She said, um, before you know about death, first you need to know about life. And in the vision, I'm taken to this like Spanish-style home. It looks like Southern California, which ironically is where I grew up. And um, and I walk into the home, and there's a skylight with this beautiful blue light, you know, flooding the whole entryway. And I see a crazy scene. I see uh, two adult men. They're like Siamese twins. Uh, and they're connected from the waist down. One of them is Hercules, and he's like brawny and sweaty and muscular, and he's struggling and he's fighting. But the other one is Jesus, and he's standing perfectly upright, like a pole almost, like strong and resolute. And Hercules is, you could see he's struggling to get away, 
And then he turns around and looks at Jesus, and it's like he recognizes his divinity, I'm going to call it. And they and they hug as brothers. And so the first thing I learned from that was, you know, there's this human aspect, this human body, the ego, my personality. But there's also a divine aspect that I guess I think most people just call the soul. Yeah. And mm-hmm. okay, so next day, meditate on death again. It's like, okay, well, you've learned about life. Now we're going to teach you about death. And and it took me through what looked like the death process. And it was, again, just hyper um, clear visuals. Um, yeah. It's October. It's Did nighttime. you have feelings with the visuals? Did you have emotions with it or anything like that? I'm just curious. I'm sorry to interrupt. I'm just really curious. Uh, that's a good question. To be honest, I don't really remember a lot of feelings. I, in certain dreams and visions, definitely a lot of feeling and emotion, but these, it was just like, like lessons, like lessons. Exactly. Yeah. So in this final one, okay, now I'm going to teach you about death. I'm walking through a farmer's field. It feels like it's the end of October. The field's been harvested. It's cold out at night. It's midnight and there's a harvest moon low on the horizon and um but there's a big scarecrow in front of me and he's tall and he's forbidding looking he's just terrifying like almost daring me to walk past him but i do i walk past him and as soon as i walk past him the moon that's low on the horizon comes towards me and we fuse as one and we turn into a river of liquid mercury traveling across earth and come to the end of the earth as if the earth was flat and it drips off into the abyss And for a period of time, there's just nothing but infinite blackness, darkness. And then poof, I'm transformed into, I don't know if you've seen images, um, there's grids, like geometries of light that surround the planet Earth. I'm part of that geometry. And how it appears to me is millions of human skydivers all linked together, holding each other, you know, by their wrists and their ankles in this beautiful geometric grid surrounding Earth. And I'm both individual, there's still John. But I'm connected to this giant collective, too. And weirdly, I can feel people on Earth praying and asking questions. And so I'm part of this grid that's answering people's questions. Oh, are we all part of that grid? I think we are. I think when we physically die, we return to that. And there's a sense of being individual and a sense of being uh, part of a collective is the best way I can put it. And so I think when for me anyway, my death process, and I'm assuming it's for most people, is I I return to this collective that's offering love and wisdom back to the planet. And that I might, if I choose to later, leave that and reincarnate in a body again. And so I it was so profound and so beautiful and so unexpected. I didn't know what was going to happen. It stuck with me ever since. And it, you know, it sounds so cliche to embrace your fears and face your fears, but I tell people that all the time. It's not cliche. It's hard. Yeah, yeah it is hard. It's very yeah, hard. But it, the first step is just turning around and facing it. Yeah. <laughs> right. You know? right. Yeah. And looking and it in the eye and saying to yourself, it. I'm scared of death or I'm scared yeah. that so-and-so will abandon me or I'm scared that. Yeah. My life will be pointless. And sometimes the things we have to admit we're scared of, I think, you know, to face the fears is, are, are things that we're, we don't like about ourselves, maybe. And accept that. Oh, yeah. Looking like, in the uh, mirror. Yeah. I'm, I'm really impulsive, especially with money and spending, you know, just for it's just, just as an example, right. <laughs> a, weak, a weak example. But, uh, you know. The yeah. listeners, uh, yeah, we had an interruption where I forgot what I was talking about, but uh, I remember now. And they helped me remember. So um, that's something I don't like about myself is that I will um, 
you know, be impulsive with money. And it's not a judgment from other people. It's something that I really don't like. Although sometimes it's too fun. I just can't, you know, it's like emotional <laughs> shopping, you know, yeah. uh, but sometimes it's not a good idea. Um, yeah. I don't like about myself and I have to really look at it and say, okay, we can change this. You know, I can change this habit or I can accept it or something. I can, you know, work with it instead of just ignoring it and hearing, you know, the back of my head going, you know, you've got rent or whatever, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'll make it. <laughs> we don't you have know, time for that right now. Look at <laughs> it. Like, I'm not. A, it's not like look at that and say, well, it's not making me a horrible person to be like that, but it's something I want to change about myself that I don't like. You know, but there's really deeper things when it comes to the themes of death about our lives, like things I regret doing with other yeah. people I regret leaving behind, or maybe something like that. Things I regret saying, and. On my part, for when I went through a still, I mean, we all do all our lives if we want to look at death and really examine what, you know, because I get a lot of different, I don't know about you guys, but I change my ideas about what death might be a lot. Uh, as a medium, I do speak with spirits and they kind of give me their perspective of what it's like. It's very much like what you're saying, John. Yeah. It's just a little differently phrased. They all phrase it differently, though, but it's very much what you're saying. And, um, like getting to the point where I can look at the stuff I don't like and I'm afraid of. And like you said, turn around and face it. How do you get to that point? How do you get yourself to do that? Like, well, I, I, can I pick on you, Lisa? For pick on me, man. Pick okay, on yeah. Me. <laughs> so I, I think the very best way first is to say what's right about being impulsive. Because if you look at it, there's some really good things about being impulsive too. True. You know, the opposite of that would be sitting there doing nothing and just overthinking everything. Oh, yeah. So that's, that's just in, hard to. <laughs> impulsive people can be really fun. You know, they, excuse my French, they get shit done, too, yes. you know? Yeah, I do get yeah. stuff done. I do. Yeah. I and so, um, <laughs> yeah, I think, you know, um, and, you know, sometimes you go out in a wild spending spree. It's, ah, shit, you know, now I can't pay the bills. But there's something to learn about that too. And it's kind yeah. of like, you know, I'll living life on the edge yourself is what you're saying. Yeah. 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 That's what I would come back to. It's like um, every quality that you and I and everybody has, there's a time and a place for it. And, you know, I, I like to say um, uh, I'll pick on politics for an example. I mean, this oh, is just kind of how I see things, <laughs> you know, if people, okay, this is just my opinion. People love control and order and safety unless it's too much. Then yeah. they want then they want chaos and fun and <laughs> anarchy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And anarchy until it's gone too medium. Yeah. Yeah, until it's gone too far. And I think you see that politically. Like, you know, when things Very get scary, true. you want powerful leaders that help you feel safe. And then after a while, you feel like you're you're tied down and you can't move and you want you want to shake things up a bit. And so I think for you, I would say start with. I love that I'm impulsive. Okay, but I have to learn. <laughs> there's some times that maybe I shouldn't moderation, be. Moderation, yeah. balance. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, accept it. Accept it. And, you know, maybe maybe it's not so bad. You know, yeah, look at it differently. Be compassionate. Love that. That's perfect. That's a great way, I think, to look at yourself in the mirror. It's like, okay, you know, because I guarantee you there are people out there that probably love your impulsivity and are probably even attracted to it. So, well, you know, I, I, it's, but it's really about what I think of myself, I guess, is yeah. one way to put it, you know, cause what it's, well, you can get deeper, like something I really don't like to look at about myself. Let's see is 
I can be fickle when it comes to love. When I was younger, I was, let's say, not not when I'm older. If I could be dating someone for two years and in my teens and 20s, and I just be like, I don't like them anymore. There was a reason. But when I was younger, I didn't know what the reason was. Yeah. You know, I could look back and say, well, actually, this was going on. And I just didn't know what it was because I was so young. You know, yeah. I didn't like that. I could hurt people like that, you know, without seemingly any reason, you know, break up with someone. And I don't know why. Now I can look back and say, well, there was a reason. Um, but I I consider it something kind of fickle about myself when I was younger. And I felt really guilty for you know, hurting these people that I'd spent time with and, you know, really got close with and then didn't feel it. But in the way, you know, the way I rationalized it when I got older is that I wasn't right for that person if I was feeling that way. So I yeah, that's my first reaction. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that wasn't the right one for you. And you learned yeah. through it too. Yeah. Yes. And you carry it with you and you learn and you move on. Yeah, but it took a long time to actually look at it and see it that way. You know, like you said, I faced it and I tried to find something good about it. And that's what I found is it probably was better for them. Yeah. You know, that that's what I wanted. What was best for the person that I did care about, but just didn't want to, you know, marry or be with dating anymore. For right. example, you know, yeah, I, uh, I'm 63. I'm still learning about relationships. Oh, me too. Yeah. I've just got my second divorce. And I'm 47. Thousand lifetimes. (laughs) But, you know, I think the thing to remember too is um, I I think we're all to a degree conditioned to think that relationships should look a certain way. Mm -hmm. And they're not. Everybody is unique. And some people are meant to meet their sweetheart in high school, marry them when they're 18 and stay with them for the next 60 years until they die. Other people are meant to move in and out of relationships. And I think it's really helpful to just like, what's right for me? What's true for me? Right. Might be having, yeah, many relationships or maybe one long one and then it's time is done. And, you know, I, I, um, I, I've spent too much time with other people that have do, um, you know, people like yourself that have done readings. And I, I, there's just so many that all kind of say the same thing. Uh, like you came in for, in this for this relationship to do something and it's done now so it's okay if the relationship goes away yeah and so i actually that has been true in my life and as well this sort mm-hmm. of moving in and it's like something is accomplished and it might take a decade it might take six months and then it's just it, it's just time to move on and yeah i don't think we're taught that in school you know we're not taught yeah, that in taught, our church don't hurt people don't hurt people, you know, and, and yeah. people don't change is what we're taught. But people change constantly, I think. Yeah. The whole point yeah, of okay. being here is to teach us how to change the perspective of seeing afraid of death. I've got a question about that. OK, yeah. so we're talking about this. So how do you get over a relationship by finding the divine love? How do you go from that to the divine love? There's a question for you. Oh, How that's an easy that? one, Misty. Well, tell me all about it. <laughs> so, I need to know. No, I, okay. So I, I, I don't freaking know Misty, but I'll do the best I can. Okay. Um, <laughs> I think it begins with asking. A lot of people forget that they can just ask. And so really sincerely, like, okay, uh, because I think they are different. Um, I think human love, relationship love, marriage love, raising families love, you know, love for your children. Those are all one thing. Divine love 
feels like unconditional love and it can be fleeting, but you know, it's um, it feels like compassion. It feels like I'm going to, I'm love this person. I'm not going to judge this person. And so I think it begins with asking, like, I want to experience divine love. I want to experience unconditional love. And I think if you start with that sincere request, uh, things will start to change in your life. You're right. Led to things. Yeah. And I don't I know agree. what that would look like. It'd be different for everybody. I agree. For me, I didn't know I was seeking that. Um, and yet the more I started to seek it, the more these amazing synchronicities started mm-hmm. to happen. And for me, what it looked like, if you're looking for a practice, it was heart-centered meditation. And it's a really simple thing to do. It's just sitting with both your hands like this. I don't know if, you, if I stand up enough like this over your chest. And it's the way the, the teacher explained it to me. Don't just touch your chest. Pretend that you are the beloved touching the beloved. Uh. And, and, and just ask. Like it's meditation, but ask. Like, I want to experience that feeling of unconditional love. I want to experience that grace of unconditional love. Go there every day. Even if it's for one minute a day, just try and tune in there. Because the heart has... Uh, a unique function, the heart chakra, is that um, it unifies, it unites things. It unites the yes. masculine and the feminine. Yes. One not better than the other. It unites them both. It unites the upper chakras. That some it's right call. in the middle. It's right in the middle. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so it it I, the way I understand it, it it loves the bliss of meditation and it loves paying the bills and taking care of the damn kids. <laughs> and so, cause yeah. that's how, that's how life is. At least yeah. that's how I experience it. So I would say, start with a sincere ask. There's the practice hands over the heart. There's probably lots of stuff online about how to do it better, but I think it's just be sincere about it and it will do you. It's not something you have to do. It's just something you have to open to. Yeah. And, I like that. You know, and I think, you know, some people it may not happen for right away. Don't get frustrated. Yeah. It'll happen. Yeah. yeah. Okay, my advice. You you have great. You have just the best advice of like so many people. But you have great <laughs> advice. You've got an answer for everything. Can you come back like every Tuesday? <laughs> <laughs> you guys got the best questions. <laughs> hey, Missy, I know you've got more questions. So yeah. I'll, I'll I'll quit revving my mouth. But well, <laughs> Okay. So yeah, I've got lots of questions. Um, so you you say to ask for, you know, that divine love, but what do you do in the meantime? Like when you're hurting like that? Yeah. How do you get out of that hurt and turn it around into something, you know, positive and good? Um, do you want to give me an example? Well, you know, like heartache, you know, what yeah. if you're going through, you know, so a divorce, heartache, like or, a big breakup or something right. like that. And, yeah, and, and you didn't trying, really want it or. Right. And, and you um, just feel like, you know, it's, it's your heart's broken. It feels hard. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I, okay. My advice for whatever it's worth, you go through it. And yeah. You experience yeah. it fully. Don't sweep it under the rug. Don't push it away. You feel yes. it fully. Mm-hmm. At the same time, don't get stuck there for the rest of your life. Be a little yes. attached, yeah. a little yeah. bit. Yeah. yeah. It's like feel it fully. Let it move through you. I mean, uh, love it yourself. You. It's so hard to do. <laughs> yeah. And so I heard you talking, Lisa, earlier too. Some things don't make sense until later. Sometimes years later, you look back, it's like, thank God that relationship ended, you know? Right. Yeah. And, and um, so I think, I don't know, patience, time, love yourself, compassion for yourself. 
let yourself move through all of it, the grief, the anger, the fear, you know, but at the same time, don't get stuck there. I, I, I don't know if you guys have read any of the Edgar Casey stuff or. Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, there's a story in there, one of the books about, um, you know, he would tune into the body and this woman had had, I forget, like, you know, a long history. I think it was migraines or something. And <laughs> he tunes into her and says, your problem is you've been angry at your ex-husband for 20 years. That's your problem. <laughs> Who isn't? Why? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Kidding. That's, well, that's a uh, yeah. 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 And what so bring it right to the front. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't have an easy answer for you and it's different for everybody and everybody has their shit that, that they're going to hang on to and take a while to go through for one person might be a relationship. Another person might be losing their job. It could be, you know, heartache over kids, uh, you know, yeah. uh, and, you know, it could be a dying parent, you know, it's just, yeah. there's always something that's going to kind of put you into the, you know, and so, um, but it won't last forever. That's what I was thinking. It, it's yeah. always going to end. It's going to yeah. end. Was that what you were thinking when you went to the retreat? You know, uh, hell you no. ready? <laughs> I, mean, I was still deep in it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, you know, you know, you went through it all. Obviously, you had, you know, everything happened at once. You went to the retreat. Yeah. And so then what? What happened after that? Did well, so first of all, I have to say, um, so I had three things going on. I I was a single parent with custody of my two kids, honestly, grieving the loss of my marriage and grieving for my kids because they didn't have their mom anymore. Yeah. Yeah. And like, and then that was number one. Two, I had a business that I, I totally, I want to say screwed up at the time I felt like I'd screwed it all up. And I was like, it's all because of me that I'm going to have to start over with nothing and move my kids to some, you know, poor area where they don't know anybody and have to start all over again. And, and so, and I had this horrible fear of death. It just, you know, I, and I, I had, I, I was afraid to talk to anybody about it. So it was like behind closed air, doors. I was just scared. And so the reason I went to the retreat was two reasons. One, Michael Crichton, the author, wrote- I love Michael Crichton. He's like one oh, of my favorites. Yeah, oh. same. Yeah, yeah well, there's a really cool book that he wrote a long time ago called Travels, and it's a nonfiction autobiography. And that was the book that kind of shook me out of my, maybe the spirituality stuff is, and psychic stuff. Cause he yeah, if a lot Michael of, Crichton can go there. Yeah. Why not us? You know, That's right? exactly what <laughs> happened. And <laughs> he had the same resistance I did to all the same things I resisted. Then he broke down cause he went through his own kind of midlife crisis and he went. And so literally it's 20 years <laughs> later. And I reading the story about his experiences at this retreat for like the hundredth time kind of crazy for somebody who was anti-spiritual, right? <laughs> and, and I ran to the computer and said, I wonder if this guy's still alive teaching these workshops. And there he was alive and well, teaching what looked like the same exact workshop that Michael Crichton went to 20 years earlier. <sighs> and, and when I read it online, he said, the, the, um, the teacher said this workshop, he called it his foundational heart center conference. And he goes, this conference tends to be very life renovating. And I needed that. I kind of felt like my house had been, you know, tumbled down in an earthquake, burned down, and I didn't know how to rebuild it again. I wanted, I needed to be different. New house. I, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so 
did I have that conscious awareness at the time? No, I was just looking for a lifeline. I was just looking for yeah. something, yeah. but I was really drawn to him. And, you know, it, there's the synchronicities again, Michael Crichton went, my life goes to hell right after, you know, after I'm reading about Michael Crichton's life went to hell. And so, <laughs> and he turned things around with this retreat. And so I, I went and then she's, there's the woman on the plane sitting next to me reading the guy's book. And <laughs> yeah. And you're not, and you're like, yeah. <clears throat> I asked for this and it's happening. It's not real. Is yeah. it real? It's real. It's real. No, it's yeah. not. It's not. It goes back and forth for a little while sometimes. Right. <laughs> yeah. Like a little, whoa, but well, yeah, I think you have like some of the best advice. Just ask. That's yeah. like some of the best advice I've heard on this podcast of people asking of people giving advice to opening up to anything. And yeah. when, yes, about divine love. You said that. And that's just. Well, and Misty, I wanted to, if I'm getting your, if I'm answering your question right, when I came back, was I all fixed and better? Hell no. Yeah. <laughs> right. Um, right. These but what happened, time, yeah. yeah, what happened at the retreat was not what I expected. Did I have a bunch of psychic cool experiences? No, I had one and a half. Uh, but what I did realize was I hadn't realized how much I kept people at a distance. Mm. And I actually never sat in a circle where people were like really honest and really vulnerable. And, and it was so freeing sitting with the people like that. And so I, when I came back, I was like, oh my God, that's how I live my life. But trouble is most people don't live that way. So there was <laughs> kind of this re-entry into the real world that I was yeah. not prepared for. And so it, it started to change slowly after that. It wasn't, I went and I came back and I'm happy and enlightened and <laughs> everything's yeah, great with my yeah. kids, but it, it, the, the weight of it all was still there, but somehow it felt a little bit lighter. There that's was the a best seed. Way I can put it. There was yeah, a seed. Yeah. 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 That's really cool. What was so the name slowly. of the, do you mind if I ask who the name of the, uh, the, the person who it, did the class? Yeah. The teacher, he was really popular in the seventies, eighties and nineties. He passed away about 10 years ago. His name was Dr. William Brew Joy. And he went by his middle name, Brew. Okay. Uh, he's got a couple of books online. Uh, the first one he wrote was called Joy's Way, a map for the transformational journey. And uh, it was a New York times bestseller uh, because he was a very highly educated medical doctor and internist yeah. in Southern California. Wow. And he was part of the Medical Scholastic Society, the top one wow. percent of all the medical. <laughs> and and he he um, he had some psychic experiences when he was young, but he says when I went through medical school and became a doctor, they kind of all went away. And so, like for a decade, they all disappeared. But he'd had um, dreams. Like um, I think he was like nine years old, and he had this profound dream that said everything in your life is going to change when you turn thirty-five. And so, you know, he's 35, he's a successful doctor, super intelligent, and he remembers that dream. And the day he turns 35, he goes, the only crazy thing that happened was the buzz I got from the margarita on my birthday party, you know, but everything started to change. And the first thing that's happened was he got uh, fulminating pancreatitis, uh, which was almost I've debilitating. It is debilitating. I yeah, it, and yeah. it was getting worse every day. And then uh, he goes, I'm, I'm a doctor. And every day I'd get up at 4.30 and, um, and I would make my rounds. And I, my, my schedule literally was from 4.30 in the morning till 10.30 at night. But I would usually take a nap in the afternoon. And I had just started meditating. And suddenly in the middle of my rounds, I had this urge to meditate. Like, and he, goes, like he goes and closes himself off in a supply closet. And he goes, it was like God himself was yelling at him. And it said, 
This voice says, your days as an Orthodox medical physician are over. (laughs) Pay attention. Now you're going to travel all around the world and your journey begins in Findhorn, which is funny because you've never heard. (laughs) You didn't know what it was, you know, but it was so compelling. He sold his entire practice in a six week period of time. And a voice guided him all around the world for the next nine months and going to spiritual communities. And he called it reawakening old soul memories. And he came back for the last 30 years, 35 years of his life was a spiritual teacher. Wow. wow. So Michael Crichton and myself felt safety because the guy was a smart, regular he guy. A a doctor. He was like you guys. Yeah. It's right. like he wasn't weird. Yeah. Right. yeah. He didn't have he the white woo, robes and you know, woo, yeah. woo, shake a drum, you know, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like some doctor just walked in off the golf course, you know, <laughs> yeah. I think that would help a lot of people make them feel more secure about it. You yeah. know, yeah, yeah. It would. weirdo coming out of the woodworks. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, I'm sure like, you know, personally, and I live in Alabama, John, and and at Missy, and I live in Alabama, so you know, I don't really fit in too well with a lot of the people here. But the people I do know, I love, and they're great. But they're not—they're kind of off the beaten path too, you know, yeah. in Alabama because Alabama is very Alabama. Alabama. Yeah. <laughs> hey, I went to Orange Beach in 2020. Orange uh, Beach is nice. Yeah. <laughs> My wife and I got in the car and drove um, Seattle to Florida right at the beginning of COVID, not knowing it was going to be what it turned out to be. And, oh, wow. And, and literally, we it was a three-month road trip. And we got about a month into it, got to Orange Beach, Alabama, probably in March or April of 2020. And two days later, everything was closed down. Yeah. Oh, no. Wow. And we kept wow. creeping our way across the country. And but wow. then, you know, we heard the governor of Florida said, well, we're not going to shut anything down. So we went to Florida. And two days later, they <laughs> shut everything down. I mean, yeah. police, <laughs> police patrolling the beaches. And yeah, so but Orange Beach was really cool the short time we were there. Yeah, yeah it is. Yeah. Gulf Shores is where I like to go in Alabama. I like uh, I think Destin's in Florida, isn't it? With Misty. Yeah, Destin. it is. Yeah. yeah, I like Destin a lot, too. I, I, I used to live in Mobile and I like to go to Gulf Shores. That's where I like. I to love go. Gulf Shores. Yeah. Oh, where we could just talk to you forever, John. You're just wonderful. <laughs> You know, I'd really like to ask you, uh, listeners, they've got to read your book. They've got to know more about you. Where can they find you? Where can they find um, you? Yeah. So my book is on Amazon. It's called The Synchronicity of Love, Stories That Heal, Transform, and Awaken. Uh, it's on Amazon and Barnes & Noble. And I just found out today, Target and Walmart.com are both selling it, too. Yay! So it's actually, oh, I think it was really a couple great. bucks cheaper there, too. Hey. So uh, yes. <laughs> He's giving you all it. <laughs> So it's sold most places that are selling books online. And my website is John David Latta, L-A-T-T-A, John David Latta.com. Okay. And and listeners and watchers, I'll put that in the description of the podcast for you to go check him out. And um, do you have any uh well before I ask for the advice that you may offer our listeners and watchers, I want to thank you for being a guest. Yeah. You've been amazing. And and if you ever want to come back and talk, and I have a feeling you're a writer uh, more than more than you know nonfiction. You'd be a great fiction writer like Michael Crichton. You have just that quality. You oh, can just say you. it with you don't even have to write it down. You can just say it and it sounds like some of the if things only you- I had the attention span for it though. So ah. <laughs> you wrote one book, fiction's easy yeah. to get all up. <laughs> yeah, you notice so they're all short hey, stories, though. <laughs> uh, all you gotta do is just ask. That's oh. it. <laughs> 
right? <laughs> God, you're giving me my own advice. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's yeah. great. Oh, my well, God. That's true. Okay, I'm going to ask for a, a fictional novel that sells like Michael Crichton's books sold. So. That's <laughs> right. Uh, yeah, I'll, read it. I'll read it if it's anything like his book. I will. I will, <laughs> too. Your other book, too, that you have written. Um, Misty, of course, I want to thank you. And, thank you, Lisa. Uh, listeners and watchers we love you thank you and also thanking our sponsor everclear everclear is an advice app where you can get advice from psychics and empaths so you can get the clarity you need to create the life you deserve and if you want you can visit our website www.weareallpsychic.com we are getting ready to start our some classes and in the next week or two i'll have the class list up and i'm still taking votes if you want to go to the website and vote on what kind of classes you're interested we need your input. We've gotten a lot of votes, but we're looking for more. So, Missy, I didn't tell you, palmistry is number one, then magic, so and then other. But I didn't, didn't, couldn't figure out how to put a fill in the blank for my other, so we don't know what the other is. Oh, <laughs> interesting. Well, thank you, listeners, for voting. And like I said, we really want to hear from you, so keep them coming. Yeah. And again, John, thank you. And y'all check his book out. Thank you so much for listening, and I hope you're having a great night, day, morning, evening afternoon 2 a.m moment whatever may be happening and peace out bye, bye.